You're going to showboat, knock down the shot. For what his value is, doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. We'll see you in the playoffs. Welcome, everybody, back to this edition of the TMF Podcast. My name is Jace Eustace, as always, joined alongside my co-host, Jarrett Huff. It's been a little while since we've gotten on here, taking a little bit of break. Obviously, the NBA is kind of on a, you know, on a low a little bit as you kind of lead into the season after the free agency moves and everything like that. But there's been some breaking news. There's been some crazy things going on, as there always is in the NBA. So we felt we'd hop back on here and talk about it a little bit. So, Jarrett, how you feeling, my man? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, we're going to get some NBA action in about two weeks right now with the preseason starting up. I can't believe it's already here. It feels like the NBA just ended. No, nah, absolutely. Crazy. <laughs> it moves up on us quickly. But one thing that we're going to lead our podcast off with on this week seems like it has been coming over the last few years and is finally now coming to a head. And that is what is going on in Phoenix with the owner. So there's going to be some changes at the top of the Phoenix Suns as owner Robert Sarver has announced he will be beginning the steps to sell both the Suns and the Mercury. This comes after Sarver was fined $10 million and banned from the team for a year after the league found that he used racist language, demeaned women, bullied employees, and was just an overall creep during his time with the team. So, Jared, is Sarver making the right move by selling the team right now? Oh, absolutely. There's no place for that kind of behavior and that kind of person in the NBA. I thought personally that um, the basically, I guess, the sanctions you could say that the NBA put on Sarver were way too weak, especially in the wake of what happened with Donald Sterling, where Adam Silver just dropped the hammer. Yeah. I feel like in this case, Robert Sarver got a slap on the wrist. So I'm glad it seems like outside pressure from whether it's the players, uh, the media, people, uh, the other owners in the NBA probably pressuring them and coming down and voicing their opinions, basically saying, we don't believe you should be an NBA owner. Um, it looks like he's folding to outside pressure to sell the team, which I think is the best move for everybody, especially the NBA. Um, I know players like LeBron James, Draymond Green, and Chris Paul are probably pretty happy as they've been pretty mm. vocal about the situation uh, and being disappointed about how light of a sentence he received, essentially, from Adam Silver in the NBA. Um, so I think this is the right move. I also find it kind of funny that we're kind of like at, at the start of our season two, and I believe this was one of like the first big topics of our podcast when we launched it. So yeah. kind of crazy how it came full circle like that. No, absolutely. I remember we talked about this at the beginning of last season when we kind of started everything up about Robert Sarver and everything that was going on behind the scenes. But I just have to say this, Sarver now deciding to sell the team is going to be the best thing that he's ever done for that organization. We know about all the proven, all the unproven allegations, and but everyone around the league is known they know and have known for a long time how much of a creep that he is. The NBA, I completely agree with you, should have no room for behavior like this, regardless of how much money you have in your back pocket. He did nothing to help push the league forward. And unfortunately, the worst thing that will happen to him is he's going to get a giant paycheck once this sale is complete, which that's just kind of what it is when you're rich. You know, you get forced out and you're still going to end up with a bunch of money in your back pocket as well. But, out, you know, from everything that we know outside of basketball – Inside of basketball, he was still a terrible owner. You know, when he had Nash and Stoudemire, then they were towards the top of the league back then in the early 2000s. He, you know, they were looking to get over the top. 
He refused to spend the money to get help. He's done that pretty much his, his entire time as an owner. He gave away first round picks for cash. Inevitably, you know, broke that team up. I think he traded was the fourth overall pick for like $3 million and the 32nd overall pick or something like that. He continually just did not want to spend money to get good players. He basically owned the Suns as just a way to make extra money, really gave nothing to it, did not help to push the league forward. And he was just incredibly cheap. He was a sleazebag, a terrible owner, and the league is going to be so much better once he's no longer a part of it. And I think most people around the league, we've seen, like you mentioned, uh, LeBron James coming out and say, hey, the NBA got this one wrong as far as punishments against him. Seemed like nobody in that fraternity of the NBA wanted him around at all, whether it be the owners, the players, management, or the league office. Just kind of seemed like the writing was on the wall for him, and it's going to be better off for the NBA now that he's going to be not technically forced out, but making the decision here to sell the team and no longer be affiliated with the NBA. But before we move off of this topic, too, I got to ask, because we've kind of seen the initial interest of some people that are interested in buying it, Jeff Bezos was one of the names that was floated out there. Obviously, we know he has the funds to do it, the richest man in the entire world. I'm just curious from your perspective, Jared, what do you think if Jeff Bezos came in as an owner in the NBA, would that, like, what would that look like for the league? Would that, would that be a good thing? Um, I think to an extent that'd be a good thing because, I mean, the man has so much money that I wouldn't be so much as worried about another like light Robert Sarver situation where the team's just there for as a cash cow and they're not going to spend money to win. I feel yeah. like it'd be kind of like a Steve Ballmer situation where the owner won't spare any expense. Personally, though, I hope, I hope that um, that he Bezos holds off a little bit because obviously Amazon's kind of tied to Seattle. Oh wow, what a coincidence <laughs> today! Uh, yeah. I, I was hoping that he'd be one of the owners that come in and like just maybe if he had interest in an NBA team, being there like, hey, I want an NBA franchise. I don't want to move anything to Seattle. I want to bring back the SuperSonics. Go to the yeah. NBA, put out a proposal. The NBA votes on it, whether Vegas is there at the time or not, whatever. We'll have 31 teams like the NHL with the Vegas Golden Knights, whatever. And boom, Sonics are back, and then they have an owner willing to spend, so the franchise is off to a great start right away. So, But, yeah, I think Bezos would be a fine owner for the NBA, aside from maybe any Amazon conspiracy theories you might, <laughs> might have out there because they might rule the whole world one day. We don't know. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think him coming in, having, you know, when we talk about wealth, obviously the, all of the NBA owners are wealthy, but I mean, there's still levels to that wealth. Like, as we mm -hmm. mentioned, when Steve Ballmer came in, he definitely overpaid for the Celtics, still looks like a genius doing it because it's just going to continue to go up in value. The same thing would happen for Jeff Bezos. He'd probably end up overpaying for the team if he's going to get in with the Seattle, or not with Seattle, oh my, with the Phoenix Suns. Or, you know, if they did decide they were going to bring back the Supersonics, expand to Seattle and possibly Las Vegas as well, then he might just be paying some sort of like franchising fee essentially to get into the league, just kind of taking everything over from there. So I think it would be a good thing to have another one of those owners that, you know, he's not going to care about the luxury tax. He's not going to care about going out and spending these, this money on free agencies because, you know, signing a guy to $250 million means absolutely nothing to Jeff Bezos. And that's just kind of the level of things where there are some owners around the league where, hey, that really is a factor where, yeah, they have a lot of money, but there are levels to it where they have to talk about their wealth and how things go. So it'll be interesting to see who gets in as far as, as, as trying to buy this team, trying to put together a group. And 
I'd be interested to see just from the side. We know LeBron James eventually wants to get in on the ownership of, of an NBA team. What could scare me though, is this sale could possibly drive up that price. And we could, we could kind of see how much money LeBron and obviously the group around him that he forms would have to come up with in order to own an NBA franchise once he's, once he's all done playing. So that's just another side thing that I've been interested in seeing as far as the Sarver thing going on. But so we talk a lot about Phoenix and I want to move on to something that kind of just came out of nowhere the other day. Mm-hmm. And that is what's going on with the Boston Celtics and especially Ime Udoka. So a couple nights ago, we got a late night Woj bomb as Celtics coach Ime Udoka looks to now be facing a year long suspension following a team. I just, I should just say a quote consensual relationship with a female staff member. Should also be noted that Adoka has famously been in a public relationship with actress Nia Long. So, Jarrett, what do you think of all this when this came along? It just seemed to come out of nowhere. All of a sudden, eBay Adoka is just going to be suspended for the season. Before I get like really seriously into this, I just got to say, really? You cheated on Nia Long? It's Nia Long. Come on. All right. But back to being serious. All right. We're back. Um, yeah. So when this news was coming out, there are a few things I noticed. A, why is this so overblown, especially if it's a consensual relationship between two adults? I was, like, thinking, like, is it someone's wife that's high up in the organization or daughter? Like, why is he being talked about getting suspended for a year? Why Why is this as why is this bigger news than Brett Favre stealing from Mississippi's, like, oh, yeah. um, welfare. welfare fund? Yeah, like, absolutely. What is going – like, what's going on with this story? And then I saw it uh, It came out today uh, from Shams that apparently the Celtics organization has known about this since July because Udoka made some unwanted comments toward the woman um, that made other people aware of it, um, which that's just, it appears to be the icing on the cake to what's probably underneath or a better term, I should say, tip of the iceberg. Maybe there's more, maybe there's not. Regardless of the information presented right now, I still think it's ridiculous that he's suspended for an entire year, especially considering this team just went to the finals and the fact that um, it, it might just kind of hinder the run the Celtics were going on because Indoka was kind of a no nonsense coach that that Boston team, in my opinion, really needed to rally um, in January when they went on their run. Uh, Also, this obviously this could change to where there's something more serious that Odoka did wrong because we don't have all the details. I'm guessing. So for all I know, maybe this suspension is warranted of the year. But as of what's being presented right now, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this story because I, I agree with you on the fact I don't think we have the complete picture yet. I don't think we we do at all. I find it kind of hard to believe that the head coach would be facing a year-long suspension just for a simple violation of a team code of conduct, which leads me to believe that there is probably a lot more to this story where the initial report is saying, hey, this is a consensual relationship. Maybe that's not actually the case. And I think we're going to get more information as the story continues to come out over the following days and weeks and everything starts to become clear. But just kind of focusing on the court, though, I agree with you. You know, this hurts the Celtics' chance to seriously compete for a chip this season. You know, it's far from a nail in their coffin, but you know, when they made that turnaround kind of, you know, a fourth of the way through that last season, they really seemed to buy into Udoka. They locked in on defensive end. Obviously, he was integral to their success. 
where I think even more so than a lot of other coaches in the league, where he seemed to be the driving force behind what got them as far as they did. I don't really know what to make of this story quite yet because it just doesn't seem to be a full story as of this point. I just know things don't add up. And most of the time when you see smoke, there's fire. So we'll kind of see where things come as far as more information comes out. And I'm sure Shams and Woj are definitely going to get to the bottom of it. I'm sure they're taking phone calls on it right now. So I just have a feeling that more things are to come. So I'm not going to sit here and just kind of give my full opinion on what could be my full opinion on Ime Doke at this point, because I still think there's just a lot of information that's still to come out from this story. But as of now, it is important to note that it looks like he's going to be out for this entire season as far as what we know. And I, I think there was another tweet by Woj, though, that his job does not seem to be in jeopardy at that point where Woj tweeted it out as well. So that's kind of all the information we have after going off this. But it's definitely is a story to watch. And it's definitely something that we'll keep up to date on and we'll continue to update on the podcast as we get through. So kind of turning the page from a few serious topics around the NBA Let's go over to a trade that happened. We don't normally get a lot of trades, you know, this time of year, but the Utah fire sale continued the other day as they sent they sent Bojan Bogdanovic to the Detroit Pistons for Kelly Olynyk and Sabin Lee. So, Jared, what did you make of this trade for both teams? Uh, when I saw the trade, I was pretty surprised. I got to say, um, the first thought that came to my head was, "Okay, what is Detroit doing?" Which they're in the Central Division. Uh, which is with my Chicago Bulls. Oh, yeah. So I was kind of like, all right. I mean, Detroit's a nice young team. They probably have a really bright future, uh, which I don't like because I hate Detroit. Um, <laughs> but the Bogdanovich trade doesn't make a lot of sense to me for the franchise because he's into his mid-30s. So his effectiveness, I mean, he's still a very effective player, but it's going to decline. I don't know if he's a player that makes much sense for Detroit right now uh, because I don't really think they're going to compete for a playoff spot. They could be a dark horse, like, 10th seed team, maybe. But even then, I'm not too convinced about that. Uh, the one big thing to note is the Lakers, who apparently are potentially going to be in the buyout or trade market for these fire sale teams like the yeah. jazz. who have a lot of assets like Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley jr. And stuff like that. They missed a player that would have been perfect for the roster. Cause Bogdanovich is a shooter, which putting shooters around LeBron generally leads your team to success. Um, and it's just a lot of contenders missed out on that one. Detroit yeah. stole one away. Yeah, on the Jazz side of things, I think this was interesting because I thought they might have been able to get a little more for Bojan Bogdanovich. You know, I that too. Like you mentioned, you know, I thought the Lakers they still had a chance to make a trade for it. I thought sneakily the Bucks would make a trade for it. He seems like kind of that savvy veteran type of shooter that they would kind of go out and make the the kind of move that no one really thinks about. And I thought Miami might be in play for it too if they pulled the trigger on this one for the Pistons, but or before the Pistons pulled the trigger on this one, I should say. So I thought the Jazz probably could have held out a little bit longer and got something a little bit better because seeing, you know, Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee going back, you know, that is that is what it is. No draft picks included in this trade at all. So if you just look at the clear player side of things, obviously the Detroit Pistons got the better side of this trade as far as just the players go. For the Pistons, I have to agree with you, man. I I think he fits this roster really well because I think one of the holes that they have, they have a lot of good 
wing play or they have sorry I should they they have a lot of good guard play as far as their young guys obviously Kate Cunningham Jaden Ivey coming in and then I like their big men too like some of the guys that they have Isaiah Stewart obviously they drafted the rookie and Jalen Duran from Memphis as well so they're kind of building those guys on both sides what they lack a little bit besides sort of Sadiq Bey who showed a lot of promise last season uh, I like that they kept him around and signed him to a nice contract too is they don't have a lot of wing play. And I know Bogdanovich is more of an offensive type of player. He's not a defensive stopper by any means, but he can stretch the floor a little bit and he can shoot those threes. And I think if you are pairing him alongside the Cade Cunningham, who, let's be honest, he runs that offense. He's got more of a body of a wing instead of a traditional guard, but he is a playmaker through and through in Cade Cunningham. I think he's going to get even better in year two. I think the Pistons, they stole him. I think they absolutely stole him from the Jazz. I went on record with this last season, and I have to be careful now on how I word this because I don't want the expectations to get too high. But the Detroit Pistons are a frisky team. They're, they're a frisky team in the East. I, I'm paying attention to them. I love Cade Cunningham going into year two. I love his ability to run the point in that team with that body of a forward. His shooting is going to continue to get better. His playmaking, to me, is already elite. Now you have the upside of guys like Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Sadiq Bey. I still haven't given up on Marvin Bagley. I still think he can he can really be a contributor to a solid team. I don't think he's a bona fide star by any stretch of the imagination, but he can give you solid minutes from that four spot. They're an interesting team to me that it's a good watch, trust me, and then they're fun to stick around with. So we'll have to see where I have them ranked in future episodes uh, when we kind of get into our, our predictions as far as this next season where we're seeing things go. But like I said last year, and I know you're not a fan of it, man, but they're creating a fan in me. I am paying attention to the Detroit Pistons. They are a fun team to watch. They really are. I'll watch, I'll watch them on League Pass this year. They'll definitely be a uh, something a star on the calendar yeah. for League Pass games. But um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it. See yeah. I'll, I'll feel bad for the Detroit Lions in football because they're the little team that could. But when it comes to basketball, screw the Pistons. Man, I no, I get you. I get you. But the Detroit Pistons, they I think they're building something special there. They're still, you know, two, three years out from anything. And I think, you know, who knows will still be there when they're when they're hitting legit contention. But they're a frisky team. You know, they're one of those guys that I think they could have a similar season kind of to what Cleveland had last season, where they kind of came out of nowhere. They played solid on both sides of the ball. I, I don't know, man. I, I I'm I'm, I'm pretty high on the Pistons. Stand. I, I'm pretty high on the Pistons. So we'll see. We have not given our full predictions yet, and we'll get that in obviously before the start of next season for you guys, so we can kind of just check back on it throughout the season. But that's enough for the Detroit Pistons talk, and we got to move on to something that we love to hate, I should say, on this podcast, and that's lists, man. Everybody is creating a list. ESPN came out with their top 100 NBA players. Jarrett is already having an aneurysm over there about it, seems to be struggling with it a little bit. So just I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen uh, kind of the top 100, all the people on there and everything. I'm just going to kind of run through the top 10. Um, at number one, they had Giannis. Number two, they had Nikola Jokic. Number three, Luka Doncic. Four, Joel Embiid. Five, Steph Curry. Six, LeBron. Seven, Jason Tatum. Eight, KD. Nine, Ja Morant. And 10, Devin Booker. So I have for myself listed in the top five, and we'll get into some of these conversations. But Jared, I know, I know you you got some opinion on lists, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take it away on this one. And see, I don't read enough. I into like the explanation for the list or whatever goes ahead of yeah. when you go. I just go straight to the list, so I don't know if they 
publicize who their experts are that make this list. <laughs> but they need to. They need to hold some accountability. It's for not this Stephen stuff A. Because he he told he told everybody it's not me. It had nothing to do with oh, Stephen A. Yeah. Oh, if I was at ESPN, <laughs> even if I was covering the hockey beat, I'd it's be not hey, me. By the way, Blackhawks just made a trade, but uh, it was not me that was part of this. ESPN Wash my hands list. of that. Like yeah, I would absolutely. just, I want nothing to do with that if I work at ESPN. And it's the same thing every year. I think it gets worse though. This is this might be the worst. <laughs> like literally, I have problems with like everything, like one hundred on down for the most part. Yeah. So I hope you don't mind if I, I'll kind of just run briefly, Go for it, briefly yeah. through the top stuff. So the first thing, Ben Simmons at seventy six. That has to be a joke, right? <laughs> right? Like Seth Ben Simmons, 76 or 76? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> they're just messing with us there. Yeah, like, that I saw purpose. that, I'm like, come on. And in all serious, Ben Simmons, the last time we saw him play, he was in, basically an all-NBA forward or guard, I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, one of the best defensive players in the NBA. You're going to throw him at 76? Yeah, he hasn't played basketball in a year, but he wasn't really so much as hurt unless you really count the back thing. So – that, I think, is ridiculous. A lot of the players in 77 through 100 kind of seem to be all over the place. Like, they're like, eh, let's throw a dart at the board. See, oh, yeah. okay. And they just put numbers on that dartboard. And they're like, oh, let's see where we're going to put Mike Conley Jr. Oh, 84? <laughs> okay, that works. Sounds good to me. Um, Westbrook at 76 seems high. Lowry at 60, no offense to you, says seems high. Tobias uh, Harris right, yeah, at 56. Seems high. Like, there are these players that are just so much higher than all these other very quality players, in my opinion. Um, Shea Gilgis is at, like, 48, mm -hmm. a little low. Garland's yeah. at 46. And then Tyrese Maxey's a couple spots ahead of him. Like, we're going to say Tyrese Maxey's better than Darius Garland. No, he hasn't Kidding accomplished. Me? I mean, he could be, but he hasn't accomplished anything yet. Yeah, projections. I don't know where they get the projections where they think Max is going to be better than Garland. Yeah. Who Garland was a lottery pick where Max yeah. went like 20th or something. So and I like crazy. Maxie. Yeah. And I think we, I, both, yeah, I do yeah, too. we both like Max, yeah. but you just got to be, you got to be honest with these rankings. Yeah. To suggest he's better than Garland and Shea Gilges Alexander. No, thanks. Yeah. Zion and Mello were 40 and 41. Um, Fred Van Fleet was 38. Sure, Zion hasn't played in a year, but are we really going to think that? Fred Van Vliet's going to be better than both those players. Come on now. Um, Clay Thompson, which I hope this is an accurate ranking, but personally right now I think 37 is too high for him just based on what we saw last year. Probably. Yeah. Marcus Smart at 34. I almost flipped my computer over <laughs> seeing that. That was – so yeah. all the players I named before him, Marcus Smart's there. I mean, defense of the player of the year does not throw you that high up the rank. That's, oh, yeah. that's insane. And then, you know, the player right before him? Who's that? Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Say what you want to say about Kyrie Irving, but Kyrie Irving is still a really, really good basketball player. Absolutely. And 33 is insane to put him up there with Marcus Smart. Yeah. They put my boys Levine and DeRozan, 27 and 28. Yeah. I think they – and that kind of shows to me they don't really know what they're doing because, like, okay, you're going to put the Bulls' two best players side by side like that. And then there's guys like Anthony Edwards, who I guess you could say maybe they'll be that good, but you have to remember the season DeMar DeRozan just had last year. Yeah. 28 seems way too low for him. And Levine, too. Because Levine, aside from the injuries, was on pace to have an all-NBA type season. So the idea that two players that would have been technically within this sketchy top 15 
players of the season are going to be 15 spots almost below that. It's crazy. Yeah. Because, like, Jalen Brown's at 22nd. Is Jalen Brown really better than DeRozan and Levine? I don't think so. <laughs> Especially after we saw how he handled the ball uh, during the finals. Bradley Beal is 19th while AD is 20th. Bradley Beal is better than AD? No. I'm sorry. Just cut that out. Gobert's ahead of both of them at 18. Yeah. Butler's at 17 after yeah. he dragged Miami by their bootstraps through the playoffs. Miss me with that. Come Absolutely. on. And then you have Carl Anthony Towns over um, Lillard and Paul George. And mm-hmm. then you have Kawhi at 12. But then James Hearns at 11. Like James <laughs> Hearns should be in the 20s or 30s. Hold <laughs> Kyrie. Like I would flop Kyrie and Harden. I'm not saying Kyrie's really going to be 11th. I think Kyrie at this point is better than James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. And take Ja. Take Ja and Booker out of the top 10. Oh, Ooh. Stop. Who's sliding in? Yeah. If you're taking John Booker out, who's sliding in? Kawhi and and Cat. Not putting Cat in. Not Cat. Kawhi though. No. Um, I think I would put Kawhi in. Um, who would Dame? I put in over them? No, I'm not going to put Damon because uh, he struggled last season for reasons unknown. Maybe as part of his injuries, maybe not. I'd be willing to put Jimmy Butler at ten. Thank you. I was about to say Jimmy, Jimmy Buckets. Yeah, I'm all right with that. I, I yeah, I don't think that's crazy. No, I mean, I don't think have you so seen either. what he's done the past couple of years? Finals in 2020, and then literally inches away from the finals again this season. Absolutely, no, it yeah. was going to be Jimmy Butler. Going to be Jimmy Butler. The yeah. idea that Kevin Durant is at eight blows my mind. Considering all last season, whether it was between you and me or in the media and whatever else we're discussing is Kevin Durant the best player in the NBA. There was that discussion all season long from what I remember. Why is he eighth now? Even after one bad playoff series, that's going to tank him from potentially being first to eighth. Yeah. Well, it, it's well, recency we bias. Yeah. It's, it's the last thing they saw is, is him losing four straight games. That, that's why. Yeah. We haven't seen any decline in his game. It makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jason Tatum is one of the few positions on this list where I have no problem with him being seven. Like, mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, and then LeBron at six, he's better than Embiid. Ooh. He should be ahead of Embiid. There we go. A little bit of truth. Also, I like it. KD should be ahead of Embiid as well. Actually, maybe move Tatum to eighth, put Embiid at like seven. That kind of yeah, works for me. Um, at, I think Steph should be ahead of Luca. Um, not by much, but he should be. Mm. Giannis clear cut first. Fine with that. I guess Jokic at two works for me, but then I need like KD at three, then like Ooh. Steph, then LeBron, then Luca. Man, and it even it feels weird putting LeBron at five. I don't like that. Yeah, see, like it just it doesn't sound good to me. Yeah, no, I I'm glad you you had a lot of takes that were kind of down through the list. I kind of focused on the top a little more, a little bit more. And my very first issue with this list when I started looking at it was at the top, and that is Nikola Jokic at number two. Like, I'm sorry, that is to me that's an absolutely absurd ranking. I give him credit; he won the last two MVPs. I get it, but to say to me that he's the hands down second best player in the league is ridiculous. Because here's the thing. If you're at that level, if you're the second best player in the NBA, you're a back-to-back MVP, I don't care how injured your team is. Can you win a playoff series for me? 
Can you show it a little bit? Like, it's one thing if you're like, hey, he's a great player. He's a fantastic player. He needs the help. His guys were hurt. That's fine. But they're trying to elevate him to this level where he's, like they said, he's the second best player in the NBA. He is in that conversation for best player in the league right now, back-to-back MVP. Show me something. Show me something. Because all I know is when it comes to the playoffs, you're a one and done. You're not showing anything. And I don't care that your guys are hurt. You just have to show me a little little something in the playoffs. I would have him down in that six to eight range for me personally. I'm dropping him down out of that. Out of that top five, I am having him in that six Ooh. to eight range for me. I'm looking at all those guys at the top, and you're t- so with those guys at the top. If I, I'm looking at it, I'm in the NBA Finals. I can pick one of those guys. I need to carry a team of average guys to win me a championship. I'm picking Giannis over him. I'm picking Luca over him. I'm picking LeBron over him. I'm picking Curry over him. Like I'm pick- all those guys can take over, and they've all shown it. In the playoffs, all those guys I just listed, they're, you can't touch really their playoff resume. The, the smallest resume, obviously, is Luka, but his numbers in a game-to-game basis are the best we've ever seen. Like, I get it. But what he's doing, yeah, he hasn't had the talent. Same thing with, with Jokic. He's done more with the same amount of talent when it comes to the playoffs. I would much rather take Luka Doncic over Nikola Jokic in the, in the playoffs. Easily. I do have to say real quick, we know for sure that uh, one expert that was not in the making of this list was Gilbert Arenas, um, because <laughs> apparently he has something against Euro players who occupy the top four spots Yeah, uh, on this list. I don't know if you heard the honest comments, but I just I did, thought yeah. I'd throw that in there. <laughs> um, I agree with you. Uh, LeBron should be top five. Um, the way I look at it, he if you want to rank him at five, I'm fine with that. Um, with where he's at in his career. Like you said, it still sounds a little bit weird, but you know, after he played when he was on the court last season, he's still easily a top five player in the NBA. James Harden, I agree 100%. 11 is way too high. I'm not in the group that says he's completely useless, but I mean, come on, 11th. You know, this isn't 2017. This isn't 2018. Like Harden should be closer to me towards the end of that top 25, maybe in like the 23 to 27 range, somewhere around there for James Harden. Definitely not better than DeRozan or Yeah, I think he's still a valuable player, but he's not 11. And uh, I agree. I'm so glad you touched on it because call me biased. I don't care. Jimmy Butler at 17 is way too low coming off of what he did in the playoff performance last year. He's going for a championship. I mean, are there really 16 people in the league that you'd rather have on your squad than Jimmy Butler at this point, the way that he's playing? No, not, I mean, not a chance. And the last point I just had to get in there, Rudy Gobert at 18. It's ridiculous just because they got a King's ransom for him in the trade does not make him a top 20 player in the NBA. (laughs) I would easily have him outside of my top 25. I know he's, you know, he's the best rim protector in the league. That's great. But the value he brings to a team and winning is not top 25 worthy in my opinion. So he's dropping out of that top 25 for me. He's somewhere probably in the 35 to 40 range for me, if I'm ranking the players in the NBA. So those are just some of the things that I picked out as far as this list. And I'm glad we saw a lot of kind of similar ones as far as, you know, LeBron maybe being a bit too low, James Harden being way too high. Some get some love for Jimmy Butler, but to me, it's just right there at the top. Nikola Jokic at number two, He's just way too high for me. I'll give him top 10, but he's not number two in the league. Where do you think KD's at? KD, with the way this season, 
Oh, man. I wouldn't be mad if KD was four, one spot ahead of LeBron, if I'm ranking it. I wouldn't be mad at that um, at all, at their their – uh, like I, it's to me, and you, you had something to say about Luca too. I would have Luca at number two. Like I'm taking Jokic out. I'm going Giannis, Luca, and then if I was going with those guys, I, you know, just out of respect, I'd probably have Steph at three, KD at four, LeBron at five. If I'm ranking my top five as far as I'm going okay. off of what just happened last season, got to give some respect to Steph, and I'm going off of what they're going to look like. I think coming into this season. I think that'd probably be my top five is the way I'm looking at it. But I don't know, man. These lists, especially when you get to the top 100s and you get to all of that, it it just gets pretty cloudy once you get down there. And there's a lot of issues they with this one. <laughs> but just rest be assured, whenever there's a bad list, we're probably going to talk about it here on the podcast. So, ESPN, hire me. Your list won't look like this. It'll look a lot better, I promise. Moving on now to our favorite segment here on the TMO podcast, and that is, of course, TM Up. So, Jared, it's been a long time. It's been a couple months or so around there. So, I know you've been saving up, probably got a technical foul. I know you texted me the other day, said you had a pretty good one. So, I'm going to let you lead into this one. Who is getting your technical foul this week, my man? Who is getting all the angst I've had for not having to team up there for several go. months? Well, James Harden. <laughs> I'm coming for you. So this man, a couple days ago, he tweeted, rise and grind. Like, okay, James Harden putting in work this season. Rise and grind. He must be up early. No, the man tweeted this at 11.42 a.m. Central Time. So this man is rising after all of us. And he's probably going to bed when most people would be rising and grinding. So James Harden. I don't know what kind of work you're putting in this <laughs> offseason because you need to be putting in somewhere to get back to James Harden, not whatever left the Brooklyn Nets because uh, 11.42 in the morning is not going to cut it. I'm sure Kobe Bryant is rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> Teeing up James Harden. We don't, oh, want to, we don't need to know that you get up at like noon, James. We don't need to know. Yeah, if you're going to be tweeting Rise and Grind, you got to make sure it's at a time that, that reflects that. Like, uh. And if he's in Philly training yeah. right now, which I, I bet he'd be in Los Angeles, but let's, because he plays with Sixers, let's assume yeah. he's in Philly. That's 1242. That's yeah. past noon. Damn, oh, jeez. James. Oh, yeah, man. Up, James. Hey, mine, mine is a little different. Um, So this is, this is different, but, uh, as you know, on the TMO podcast, we created our own rules. You know, I mean, we created the technical foul that we're giving out. So I'm not going to give out a technical foul. Instead, no. I'm going to give praise to someone that has been receiving. They've been on the receiving end of many technical fouls from me over the past year. And that is Mr. No Shot Ben Simmons. Whoa. I'm going to give a little bit of praise to Ben Simmons. He went on the J.J. Reddick old man in the three podcasts and spoke about the public perception of some of the last two years and kind of dispelled some of the rumors. He stated that, you know, the story that we heard about him leaving a group chat, that was bullshit uh, in order to change the narrative, you know, he, that he should go out there, shoot a bunch of threes until people stop asking him to shoot threes. And this is the type of reaction that I wanted to see a year ago. Get ahead of the joke, man. Like we, we know what the joke's going to be. You're Ben Simmons. Okay. You are, 
an all NBA caliber player who has some weaknesses in your game. It just so happens that the weaknesses in your game is shooting. And when it comes to basketball, it's so widely based off of shooting that it's, it's seen as a huge weakness. Get out ahead of this, man. You're a talented player. You have incredible strengths in your game, but you have to work on your weaknesses and lead into the strengths. And I get it. You know, he, he talked about his mental health a lot. He talked about how it got to him. It got in his head. You know, you, you talk, you hear all the time with like baseball players, they get the yips, they get things like this, where it just kind of affects you mentally, where if kind of the story on you is you don't shoot threes. So when you're going out there to play basketball, you're just not going to shoot threes. So I loved this interview when he went out there and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to shoot 20 threes a game. And then all those people that are saying, shoot, 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 are going to be saying, man, don't shoot, don't shoot. And I, that's the type of reaction that I want to see. He's still a talented basketball player. I think there's a lot of things that I did not like the way that he handled it, and I'm still not a huge fan of his. But this is what I wanted to see a year ago from Ben Simmons. Don't run and hide. Attack the jokes. Get the story head on. I know it's taken forever, but this is the kind of Ben Simmons that I want to see moving forward. Good job. Do not change the pace. Do not change what you're doing. Just go out there and ball out, and people are going to forget all about this. Maybe take two, two three-point shots a game. Start to work on a little bit. Show that you're willing to at least attempt those shots. You don't have to be great. I mean, look at Giannis. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he will take them because it makes the defense have to come out on the perimeter and at least fake like they're going to have to get into his face to kind of contest a three. So just become a little bit of a threat out there. Just make him think about it and then just put this behind you because this is when I see, what I want to see out of Ben Simmons moving forward because let's be honest, the NBA is better when he's out there. He is a very talented player. He's still very young in his career. And as much as I do not hope that the Brooklyn Nets are good, we got to look at what they have in the roster. You know, with Ben Simmons, if he comes back to what he is, obviously KD and if Kyrie's there for a full season, they could very well be one of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, sadly, they could very easily be one of the best teams in the NBA, but we'll have to see. But I kind of had to change the pace, give a little bit of praise to Ben Simmons. I, I don't I don't know the exact number of how many technical fouls I've given out to him. I know you've given him quite a few as well. So he's been on the receiving end of a lot of technical fouls here on the TMO podcast. So I had to break stride a little bit and show my man a little bit of love there for Ben Simmons. So, yeah, but, nothing wishing nothing but the best. You always want to see players succeed in most cases. Absolutely. And I definitely want to see Simmons recapture um, the, tra the trajectory that yeah. his career was headed after he was drafted. Absolutely. I, I think most people that are NBA fans just want to see him ball out. Just go out there and just ball Good out. That's the, that's the best way to shut your critics up. Just ball out, and you don't have to worry about anything. So, that's all we have this week for the TML podcast. I want to thank you guys all for listening, following along. I know throughout the offseason, we haven't been as active as far as on the podcast, having actual episodes. We've stayed active on the TikTok account that has continued to grow. We want to thank you guys all for following us along on there, all the interaction that we've seen. It has been fantastic going into now year two of the TML podcast, almost pushing that 10,000 follower Mark on TikTok has been fantastic. Our Instagram has begun to grow as well, and we continue to show appreciation for all you guys that have been following along. So it's been such a fun ride. We're looking forward to season two, and it's going to be a long and fun NBA season. So, Jared, anything to leave him with? Um, Just got to say shout-out to Andre Iguodala coming back for year 19. <laughs> but he said, hey, yeah. Steph, this is the last time. This is it, man. This is it. <laughs> this is it, and this is it for us today. So thank you guys all once again for listening. We'll be sure to catch you guys on the next episode. And remember, rise and grind. Rise and grind. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.